Improvised jazz solo. I'm joking. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Fasting with Friends. Today, it's movie day again, and we're covering one of my favorite films ever made. And for once, I'm the person who pushed this onto our lovely friend Joseph over here. We're doing Whiplash! An amazing film, in my opinion. Hands down, one of my favorite films. Not just because of its subject matter, because I'm a huge music buff, but also because of its stellar performances, captivating story, and most importantly, extremely harrowing messages. So, uh, before I go on a tirade about how much I love this movie, I'm going to let uh, Joe and Lawrence talk, and uh, I will see you on the other side. <laughs> I mean, for me, the biggest thing about, like, Whiplash is the way it makes you feel. This is one of those films that is just, like, dripping in tension, right? Like, you are... It almost has the psychological effect on you that Fletcher, J.K. Simmons' character, has on Andrew by the end, where it's like... You're, like, shaky every time he's on screen. You're, like, you're ready for him to scream or say something really mm. cutting or just be, like a massive piece of shit and it gets to that point where you're like you're feeling the effects of that same abuse because you're so immersed into like the tense atmosphere of this fucking film but i know i feel i feel like this is one of probably one of jk simmons best roles ever like yeah. he's he's done a lot i pretty much love him in anything he's ever been in but this one is just oh dude it is like i've never seen him play a character that's so hateable that's so fucking horrid and do it so well that by the end you hate fletcher just as much as andrew like you're just like just fucking tell him to go screw himself don't even don't even work with him don't even talk to him anymore. just leave because he's ah he's so terrible and i mean every insult he says as well it's one of those films where if you were to take all the insults he comes up with which i've always assume some of them are improvised because there's no way that's all in that fucking script. Mm -hmm. If you take those and just learn them well enough to use in day-to-day -day life, you have some of the most, like, biting, powerful insults I've ever heard. <laughs> like, you can you can make people cry if you keep some of those in your pocket for when you need them. You better get out of my like, sights or I'll demolish you. <laughs> he's, he's so brutal, man. Half the shit he says, that like, I would be, like, shook too. I'd be like, god damn, dude, fucking take some drugs or something and calm but, down. You know, the scariest thing about Fletcher is the fact that you can kind of see his logic in a sense, which is very... I mean, it, everything he does works by the end. Like, yeah. he makes him near perfect, but, like, at what cost, exactly. right? He's a very... Exactly. He's a super utilitarian thinker. Everything he does is for the purpose at hand, and, like, what the effect it actually has on you as a person, completely irrelevant. You're 100%. gonna become perfect. 100%. You're gonna do this exactly the way it's to be done, but I'm gonna break you in the process, right? Yep, like, yep, uh, again, uh, Joe, as someone who's watched this film for the first time, because uh, you, you're turning into the first time viewer of the of the of this podcast, I yeah, you are. You're like the audience <laughs> stand-in. I've seen the majority <laughs> of these 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 things at least twice to three times. So yeah, go ahead, talk to me. Right, yeah, the the podcast has become. Let's help Joe watch all the stuff on his list. Oh yeah. Anyway, so <laughs> when I first saw this, it was it was the beginning scene. It was the opening scene when Andrew is just drumming by himself in the room and Fletcher comes in and obviously he's, uh, he's you know, he's curious. He wants to see how this kid is doing. So he's tr he tries to get him to, you know, do a few things and then he just abruptly leaves. And then you're like, whoa. And then he comes back. You're like, oh, oh no, no, no. He, 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 he came back because Andrew played a little bit better. No, no, no. He just, he just forgot his code. 
I think that really sets up the whole film. Because, oof, Fletcher is like a really strict military commander. And that's sort of what it is. It's like an academy that Andrew is in. It's not really a music school. Oh, no. And boy, in the presence of people like this, do you shit yourself. And when I was watching this, I completely felt the tension from the beginning, especially when they were practicing in rehearsal. And then when they were performing the first time in the in the contest and... Andrew forgets his drumsticks, so he goes back to get to get them, and then he has. You know, you know what, Joe? I'm so happy you brought up the comparison of like a military man being like this because do you know what character I've always compared uh, Fletcher to? Yeah, fucking Gunnery Sergeant Hartman from uh, Full Metal Jacket. Yes, Yes. exactly. Everyone who knows these may as well be the same character, but in different settings. Like. J.K. Simmons is just gunnery sergeant if he was like a music teacher. It's, <laughs> it's like, you are a right. pile of shit, you know? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely right. Especially when, you know when he sabotages Andrew on stage? Oh, yeah. And then yeah. He, Andrew leaves, obviously, because he's emotional, he's sad. But then he comes back because of what uh, Fletcher told him. That he said he's never really come across a great because they all gave up or whatever. So he comes back to stage and he tells uh, Fletcher to fuck off. He says, fuck yeah. you, literally mouths it to him. And I, at that moment, I thought, okay, Fletcher's probably going to lift something. He doesn't give a shit about the audience. He's going to beat the crap out of Andrew. But no, he doesn't. Because he finally realizes that both Andrew and him, they're now on the same wavelength. They know what they want to achieve. So anyway, I wanted to... Sorry about that digression. I'll go. I'll let and you guys continue. That is where I come in with the absolutely despicable and harrowing message of this movie. A message which, at one point, I absolutely admired, but then later thought to myself that this is the most toxic thing I've ever seen in my life. So mm. the the majority for the, for the majority of this film, a recurring theme is that of being great, being someone, being forgotten, you know, living for thousands of years. And Andrew emulates this through Buddy Rich and Charlie Parker, two absolute giants of music and of jazz who even now if you if, if you're into that type of type of music you would go and listen to them and they would be absolutely fantastic even in the modern day. But both of those had an incredibly destructive and tumultuous lifestyle, as do many musicians who we still we still worship and we still listen to you know have it your you know your Kurt Cobain's or your Freddie Mercury's you know and for Andrew that seems to be the main driving force he simply wants to be immortalized through greatness and through his art and he doesn't care what happens to him he obviously does not give a shit what happens to him and as the film progresses he spirals further and further down and that's shown through everything that's shown through the extra blood on his drum set through the extra plasters he's this is where this is where the film like goes out the fucking window in terms of like suspending your disbelief he goes through a fucking car crash and he still makes the makes the he still makes the the show and it's just that whole idea of greatness through immortality and through your own a man after my own heart yeah but that's impossible because you are gonna die great broke and great broken you know famous like what 35 just like charlie parker and buddy rich but it's just what's the point is that really what you want to do with your life and it's 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 the main conflict between him and his dad who is very i mean he supports him but he's also like okay bro like you're good why do you have to be great? And same thing with his girlfriend. She's like, you're great. You're good. Why do you have to be great? And Andrew's like, well, fuck it. I'm going to be great. And the only person who responds to him 
is Fletcher. And Fletcher becomes kind of this very twisted father figure to him because he constantly mm. keeps abusing him and pushing him on. And this is why I'm going to draw a comparison to Omni-Man and Mark. It's literally oh, yeah, the no, exact same... Simmons plays same. abusive fathers, like, It's literally constantly. the exact same thing. I'm just going to keep punching you, punching you, and destroying you. To think, you Andrew, break. think! Literally that! But the only difference is that Mark does not want to be... Great, he's actually fighting to protect someone. But Andrew is so consumed by this inherent idea of greatness. This immortality. And, you know, he brings it up. There's a wonderful scene with his parents and um, of his family. And they're like, oh, well, what's the point? Your friends are going to remember you. And he turns around and says, well, none of us were friends with Charlie Parker. That's the point. So it's just, it's just such a fucking horrible film what does his dad say to him when his dad says yeah dying dying broke full of heroin and homeless at the age of 35 is all my idea of greatness and andrew's mm. like well being the greatest musician of the 20th century is my idea of greatness mm. so and then um he says something he says that his friends will never play his cousins would rather would never play in the nfl <laughs> and then and then his dad yeah. says what does he say you'll, you'll never play at uh what's the, uh, at the lincoln the center he goes, at the lincoln center that's yeah, it it's just like uh, his cousins go Oh, come play with us. And he goes, four words you'll never hear from the NFL. <laughs> <laughs> the biggest burn. Oh, man. Yeah, I do love that he's, a, he's a, like a massive piece of shit, too. Yeah. <laughs> like, you feel bad for him because he's run into Fletcher, who's like the ultimate, like, fucking hand of God smacking you down. But, like, Andrew isn't a great person no. either. He's like, yeah. no. He's 100% like experiencing a hell of his own making. And his own choice. But does that mean everyone who's immortalized themselves through art has been a shitty person? Yes. Shut up! No! <laughs> I don't believe you can make it far in any sort of industry of that kind without being a piece of shit. I'm like, that's, some, that's a bit unfair, man. Come on. You know? I don't know. Oh, is it? Am I known for being fair, am I? No, is that my character trait? But, you know, it's like... You can be immortalized through your art like imagine we get immortalized through this podcast and then i don't know you you die of alcohol poisoning god forbid you know (laughs) i mean that is the most likely uh, like scenario out of the possible ones (laughs) but i don't know it's just this film i'm a sucker for films who cover this very simple notion of immortalization through greatness this film and Black Swan is another one which are incredibly similar. I don't know if you guys seen Black Swan with Natalie. Portman. Yeah, Black Swan is literally just the ballet version, version of, of Whiplash. This, yeah, much. yeah, it's just like again, like yeah. she's constantly fighting and you know making this personal hell for her. Like her nails are breaking. Like just like Andrew's hands are just like full yeah, of. Yeah, no, blisters. her feet like made me so uncomfortable literally, in that fucking film. Literally, and then she starts seeing these <laughs> demonic visions of like. The actual, like, the person better. And, you know, Fletcher does, Fletcher does this exact same thing. He, like, gets other drummers to, like, spite Andrew. And he's always pushing him. Always destroying and that, him. That, it's so funny how he's, like, getting people to spite Andrew. Literally. <laughs> like, just the, the way it's, like, presented fucking cracked me up every time I watch this film. It's just, it's so bad. Like, so, I mean, obviously we never see it on screen, but can we then assume that it was Fletcher who took the folder from the chair? Probably. Probably. But That's like the implication, isn't must it? Must yeah. have been some insane maneuvering, but <laughs> yeah, know, yeah. We're, we're fine. It's Look, fine. Fletcher is actually Omni-Man. We just didn't realize <laughs> it. Christ. He was moving faster than the Flash. The folder is your responsibility, Tanner. 
If you give a retarded calculator, you'll try and turn a TV with it. Jesus Christ. <laughs> what a fucking shit. Yeah, no, I, the, the fact that he's also like, the, the fucking language he uses is so, is so blunt. Anytime he says anything, it's just like, oh, shit, <laughs> yeah. he said it. Like, like, it's just, Fletcher is a maniac, but <laughs> yes, this film's Oscar is. winning scene is actually the one where they're at the bar. You know, it's funny. I actually forgot that it won an Oscar. Yeah, he won mm. the he won for best supporting actor. That's that's yeah. J.K. Simmons did it. So my the the Oscar winning scene that I'm talking about is the scene at the bar where oh, they yeah. finally have a face to face. There's no shouting. There's no music. They just have a face to face, and you really see Fletcher's ideology. An ideology that's incredibly perverse and incredibly horrible, mm. but it's needed so that you can like form your own judgments because he tells them like, you know, I've never had my Charlie Parker, you know, I'm trying to find the next immortal, the next greatest of all time. And Andrew asks him, well, you know, is there a limit? Like maybe you push so hard that you end up discouraging the next Charlie Parker. And he turns on and says, well, that's the thing. The next Charlie Parker will never ever be discouraged. Be discouraged. And yeah. he yeah. says, there's no two more, more harmful words in the English language than good job. Good job. Because if you yep. tell someone good job, they're going to think to themselves, yeah, fuck it, I did a good job. I'm just going to go and like, you know it's funny. mediocre. You know? There's, that is, for me, 100% true, because I was told good job like through the entirety of primary and secondary school, and then when actual like hard life got to me, I hate oh, shit immediately. God, yeah. Because I'd spent my whole life being told, like, you're amazing. So when I actually had to try, I was like, I don't know how to try. I'm not I amazing. I'm not so, amazing. Help me. The thing is, I'm the opposite. I have rarely, if ever, been told good job. And I still don't know how to deal with adult life. So <laughs> oh, my I'm God. Sure. Joe. <laughs> I'm not sure how well we're going to do, bro. Well, you know what, Joe? Good job. Good job oh, great. Oh, great. I'm going to be mediocre now. Thank you. <laughs> this podcast is great, Joe. You're doing a great job. You've yeah, just... Joe, you're the ultimate editor. Don't ever let it let it be forgotten. Nah. That pop was just the sound of my head popping. Oh my god, not quite I'm my kidding, fucking tempo on the editor, Joe. <laughs> yes, <laughs> exactly. But yeah, uh, okay. This... So go on, go on. I wanted to talk about that. So, do you reckon it's a healthy? Because you wanted to talk about how it's a really toxic, toxic side of it, right? It's is it healthy to push people to this extent, like in the real world? Obviously, because not. like if this was any right. other school, yeah. But well, also, it's it's. <laughs> I believe if they are choosing to put themselves in a position where they are pushed that far, that's also on them, and it's not something that like you should be able to tell someone you shouldn't push yourself. If they want to, yeah, why not? Yeah, but mm. in 2021, right. Fletcher will not have a job at any sort of educational establishment. Nah, I'd hire him on the spot. I'd be like, <laughs> make me the next big thing. <laughs> Teach me your ways, devil. It's honestly so brutal. Like, And, you know, it's it's reflected because there is he gets news that his former pupil had committed suicide. And he right. lies about it first, and then he's like, oh, well, actually... I pushed him, I pushed him too hard and he ended up killing himself. And even that doesn't discourage him from still being, like, that's the thing. In the scene, he's upset in his office, he's crying, comes straight back out. And he's like, he showcases this most brutal side towards Andrew, Tanner and Connolly. Like, he just tears them on you. He keeps them there for like hours on end, trying to get the perfect tempo after hearing news. They bleed. Yeah, because he, he redirects, he redirects all his like negative emotions. Yeah, that's right. But, that's the thing. 
Is Fletcher truly just trying to find the next great? Or is he just a psychotic bastard? Uh, yeah, a bit of both, yeah. I mean, why not a bit of both, you know? Uh-huh. Yeah, it's true, I guess. Because, like, to be the kind of person who's looking for the next greatest anything, you kind of have to have a bit of a problem, you know? You're not fucking making that your life's aim, your life's goal, unless you've got some sort of, like, issue. I mean, do you want to be immortalized? Then you do it. Not really. Just hit me with lightning. I'm fine going out right now. That's the thing. Like, uh, and obviously the ending. Like, if we want to talk about the ending. So, in... In the, again, in the bar scene, Fletcher says how Charlie Parker, after being absolutely embarrassed and humiliated by his mentor, he went on stage and he performs the best solo that the world has ever heard. So, towards the end of the film, exact same thing happens. Fletcher absolutely embarrasses Andrew, gives him the wrong song, he storms off stage, his dad goes and hugs him, and at that moment, towards the end of the film, is Andrew's penultimate choice. He either chooses to walk with his actual father and live a normal life, and have a family, and perhaps, you know, die at 99, remember, just by a family, or go with Fletcher, do the best motherfucking song the world ever heard, and live to be immortal. And he chooses to do that, he goes that, he does it, he plays a solo, and the most harrowing shot of the ending is his father's face as he mm. watches him through the door, and he's watching Andrew just drum this insanely fucking good solo, the best he's ever heard. But he sees that his son has lost his humanity. He's yeah. finally lost everything. And it's an incredibly sad realization because the film ends with Fletcher smiling for the very first... You don't see it. Right. It's, yeah, just yeah. The, it's just the side of his face. The side of his face goes up in a smile and Andrew smiles back at him and that's how the film ends. What is it, Violet? It's an incredibly dark Violet. Yes. Jojo, I deny my humanity. Literally that. <laughs> it's just, he chooses. And, you know, maybe Andrew went on to have a successful career. But given what the film has told us so far about greatness and about pushing each other, he's probably died at, like, 40 due to pressure and mental anguish, either by suicide or addiction, you know? Right, exactly. That's what I wanted to talk about. He puts pressure on himself to the point where he, his hands start bleeding. I mean, here's the thing, though. Like, if anyone who's... I know, like, a lot of drummers. That will happen yeah, even if you're not trying. Very hard. Like, drumming fucks up your hands really yeah. good. But you see, the thing is, the, the reason why I bring that up specifically is because when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, the reason why he starts sweating blood is because he's under so much stress that that becomes the physical manifestation of his stress. Andrew is under so much pressure to perfect his drumming to Fletcher's standards that he literally, like, and like you said, this is a normal occurrence for, for drummers. This is realistically a thing that happens. But also symbolically, he's under so much stress to prove himself. So he has to bleed for it. But at this point, it's not just talent and merit. It has to be something more than that. And he has to go for that. So he has to sacrifice whatever part of himself that he no longer has, whether that's his free time, that's his social life, whatever it is, in, in order to achieve that. And that's one thing I wanted to mention. The other thing was when he broke up with his girl, Nicole, and she, you know, she she's completely devastated by this. He breaks her to the point where, you know, she's she's asking him, "Am I stopping you now?" You know for a fact, yeah. And he says, "Yes." Yeah. But we know for a fact that they haven't even been seeing each other that much. So it isn't it isn't the fact that she's an obstacle to him. It's that he perceives her as an obstacle, whether that's now or in the future, and he doesn't want that to be the barrier between him and his greatness. 
And I think that's devastating. I think, in, in actual fact, it's not so much... I think we get the stamp on Andrew losing his humanity at the end of the film, but in reality, when he really loses his humanity is when he breaks up with Nicole, in my opinion. Yeah, to be fair, he kind of does give out the idea of kind of this, you know... I don't want to say push wanker, but he kind of does. Like He kind of looks <laughs> down on everyone, because, yes. to be fair, to, to his credit... But yeah, like I said, he's still a piece of shit. No, like, no, 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 no but listen, to his credit, as people who have done humanities and who have done arts we we know what it's like to talk about something we're passionate about and for people to go oh that's very nice but you see my son the it specialist you know that kind yeah. of that kind of vibes you yeah, know but I, i'm under i'm under no illusion that like yeah no i should have done a science yeah no <laughs> shut the fuck up though but like this is what we're good at you know like we're passionate <laughs> about this the same way andrew's passionate about this and the stuff we do and the stuff that andrew does is still pretty hard it's not easy. It's never been easy. So I get what I get the way he reacts because people don't like take what he does seriously enough. Like again, the whole scene with his family, they're like, "Oh yeah, great, you're doing great with your drumming," but you know, our kids are fucking NFL football <laughs> players. You know, they're gonna be great. But it's just we've I've encountered that very much in my personal life when people just tell me, "Oh yeah, that's great," like, but I've done this. I'm like, okay, bro, like just just swipe me like I've done nothing of value. Fuck you, but... Oh, yeah, no, if, if my kid doesn't become the next Einstein, he's getting kicked out the fucking house. Oh, my God, Lawrence. I made the mistake of humanities and suffered. My kid will not <laughs> do the same. Oh it, it reminds me of the great joke of this guy becomes president and he invites his mother to the inauguration and the mother says, I can't go, I don't have a dress. He says, mother, I go get a dress, <laughs> no, just come know. to the inauguration. So she goes to the inauguration <laughs> and she's sitting next to someone. And the president has now been sworn in and he's giving his inaugural speech. And then the mother nudges the guy next to her and says, you see that man there? That's my son. His brother's a doctor. And that, for me, pretty much sums up this attitude of, uh, great, you done humanities, but my son is a dentist. And I'm like, great, that's great. <laughs> you see what I mean? My son but, better be a goddamn dentist. He needs to fix my teeth. But that, that isolation, that alienation does not give the rights to Andrew to look down on other people. No, it because, doesn't, no. Yeah, like, he looks down on Nicole because she's like, hey, she doesn't know what she wants to do with her life yet. She doesn't know which college she wants to go to. And here's mighty fucking Andrew at Schaefer Conservatory, you know, being the next fucking buddy rich. Look at that. As someone who's tried to plan everything out for his life and... It, it's all gone to shit anyway. There's a sort of freedom to not knowing what you want to do and just going with it and seeing what works out. Because if you're trying really hard to fit yourself into a mold that you've created out of thin air and you don't fit, but you put even more pressure on yourself to fit even more, if you don't turn out like Andrew, then I don't mind dying at 90 sober and rich, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's the thing, man. Wasn't it, was it Napoleon who was like, your plan's only good for as long as it's like until you've you've charged into battle and like the plan yeah. falls apart and me i forget the fucking actual quote but that was like his entire point i was like your plans mean nothing because things are too changeable in nature <laughs> everyone exactly. has a plan until they get punched in the face mike tyson <laughs> pretty much yeah. <laughs> yeah but yeah man i can't stress how much i love this movie it's a fantastic watch it's not it's not so much about the story but it's messages and it's absolutely towering performance mm. in my opinion it's both jk simmons and miles teller's best performances considering he would go on to do 
fan fantastic. If you if anyone remembers fucking Oh god. He you're was right. Mr. Fantastic. That is he remember did. that trainer? <laughs> uh... Yeah, so a, a huge downgrade. You know it's sad, I can't even like did he ever do a film after Fantastic? I'm pretty sure he did, but yeah, Miles Teller and J.K. Simmons absolutely carry this film. Their chemistry is insane. Both as characters and as people, in my opinion. I think that Andrew works so well because Fletcher is there and Fletcher finally finds his Charlie Parker. At what cost is ultimately left up to the audience to interpret. But in my personal opinion, the quest for greatness and through immortality... To, in order to be great and immortal, you have to die first. Yeah. Like, that's my that's my idea. Like, to achieve this cult status that so many icons have, they're no longer with us, you know? And... the tw- What is it, the 21 Club or is it the 27, 27 club? club? Yeah, people like people like Jim Morrison, people like Jimi Hendrix. That's good, it means I still got time, baby! In my personal opinion, that's it, but some people may watch this film and think that, you know what? Yeah, Fletcher is just tough love. Andrew's a little soft snowflake. He can't do nothing. I know he's not. He's not tough love. He's extreme, extreme tough love. He's like the love. the ultimate spectrum but, of it. Yeah. Uh, still love this film. Love his performances. I think it's worth a watch. I've rewatched it literally three times with three different people. It's it's actually my ideal date night. Film. Oh no! Don't ask me why. What <laughs> the fuck? This is like a terrible <laughs> film to make a woman watch with you. <laughs> <laughs> Guys. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, I, I joke, I joke. This is this is not a date night film. Do not watch this with your partners. But yeah, this has been this has been a great episode, guys. Thank you very much for covering this and I hope Joe enjoyed the film. I did, thank you. I know you went on to watch The Sound of Metal, which is another yes. drum based film. But yeah. we can we can talk about that in a later episode. And another time. All I'll say is that uh, as great as and Riz Ahmed is great in that movie. Yeah. And as great a film that is, I really enjoyed Whiplash a lot more. Yeah, I don't think I don't think it compares mm. to fucking Whiplash. Like it's a great film, but like oh no, this is this is an Oscar yeah. worthy film. And I'll just say that reason. first of all, I will never do this. So you guys, anyone listening, including you, Lawrence and Navilo, Never raise your kids like Fletcher does, Andrew. Okay, oh, that's yeah, me done. Good night. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, okay, I have I have a good good tip for you people. Don't raise them like Fletcher does, Andrew. Raise them to be Fletcher. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. The Whiplash prequel. Let's 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 get it funded, boys. <laughs> baby baby Fletcher. Fletcher. It's just gonna be the bus baby with Jackie Simmons' voice. <laughs> yeah, his, his mom's like fucking, you know, back and forth, and he's like, "That's not my tempo." <laughs> but yeah, uh, if you want some more musical goodness, uh, yeah, boy here, as you know, does a musical blog post. I have uh, blog post. That's a musical blog. He reviews. Uh, he reviews vinyls yeah. and music and go figure. I actually do have some jazz, and he likes to talk in I the actually, third person. I actually he's do very have great. some jazz records, so maybe when this episode drops, I will drop a chorus responding jazz review not anything by charlie parker or buddy rich but you know i got some louis armstrong and some mm. uh, ella fitzgerald so um, nice if, for any did you, did you hear him like lick his lips like some sort of <laughs> I mean, freakazoid you know, as he thought about his well i do i'm just admiring them you know what's wrong with that <laughs> oh. but, you know uh always judge a man by his vinyl collection as i always say but yeah, check check me out at iVinyls. Don't forget to uh, like and subscribe to the podcast. Thank you for mm. listening to us. Uh, 
Joe can say his thing, and this has been a Vilo, and I'm signing out. Goodbye. This is Lawrence, like usual, the best person you've ever known. Send me, uh, you know, fan mail, because mm. I do like that. <laughs> <Bye>. <laughs> Don't forget to tell Randy. Good night. Good night.